Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, WAG listeners, it's Allison, reminding you that this show cannot be made without you. If you've been thinking about becoming a Candleland supporter, we're having a pretty great sale right now. You'll get premium ad-free feeds of all Canada Land shows, discounts on merch from our store, and exclusive bonus episodes from some of our podcasts. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Canada Land supporter. So from now until the end of May, we have a special offer for our listeners. For $2 a month, you can become a supporter and do your part to ensure we can continue making this show. And we really like making this show for you. Basically, nothing costs $2 anymore. You could, like, get a bag of candy, a locker at a public swimming pool. I've been honestly trying to think of something that cheap, and I'm not getting far. So sign up for just $2 a month for the next six months. Just go to canadaland.com join, or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. Liberals won't reward big polluters, gun makers, and the wealthiest 1% with a tax cut. But the conservatives will. They always do. And the fine print? Well, they'll pay for it by cutting the public services you and your family rely on. Exhibit A, Doug Ford. Doug Ford threatened cuts to Ontario's autism program. Who do you want at the negotiation table standing up to Doug Ford? Andrew Scheer, who follows Doug Ford's lead? Who do you want negotiating with Doug Ford when it comes to your health? Who do you want negotiating with Doug Ford? Who do you want negotiating with Doug Ford? Negotiating the future of your health care with Doug Ford. Negotiating with Doug Ford. Who do they want negotiating with Doug Ford? With Doug Ford. Qui voulez-vous voir négocier Who do you want to see negotiating the future of our health care system with Doug Ford. Our approach worked even though Doug Ford and other conservative politicians said we should drop those tariffs. But Mr. Scheer, we spent the last two days in Doug Ford's backyard. Premier Kenny is uh, saying that he plans to campaign for your candidates um, in the upcoming election. Doug Ford's been nowhere to be seen. We're in his backyard all day today. He's not scheduled to join your campaign at all. What are Ontarians supposed to make of the fact that you don't seem to want him anywhere near your campaign? Uh, that's uh, that's just completely false. Uh, we're going to be all over the province of Ontario and people who have worked to replace uh, Liberals at the provincial level are obviously going to uh, work to replace Liberals at the federal Liberal at the, at the federal level. Speaking of your team, has anyone from your team contacted Shear's campaign or anybody from Shear's campaign contacted you to do any campaigning together? Uh, no, I, I can't say uh, they have. Buffy the Vampire Slayer about 20 years ago, the concept of alternate dimensions was explained by 
you could wish for or have a universe where there's no such thing as shrimp, or you could wish for and have a universe where there is nothing but shrimp. And that's those seem to be the uh, th- those seem to be the parallel universes in which Justin Trudeau and Andrew Scheer are conducting themselves through this election, with the shrimp being the premier of Ontario. As of this week, as of Monday, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is back to name-dropping the Premier, uh, having mentioned him an average of every other minute over the course of a half-hour press conference. All those clips you heard earlier, earlier, that was from one press conference. So the politics of the province of Ontario are once again a few days out from Justin Trudeau's brown-face, black-face scandal. They're Ontario's back. We've got Justin Trudeau talking about it. We have the Conservative Party of Canada campaigning against Kathleen Wynne. And in honor of Andrew Scheer, we are going to get through this entire episode without mentioning the name of our resident premier and podcast namesake. How the premier who shall not be named will factor into the election he's not running in is what we're going to be discussing today. I'm Alison Smith, publisher of Queen's Park Today, a newsletter about the situation in Ontario. And I'm Jonathan Goldsby, news editor of Canada Land, and I've been hoping to be able to put this man's name out of my head for years. And this is Wag the Dizzle, a podcast about an individual who has worked to replace the Liberals at the provincial level. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So just a quick heads up to our listeners before we go on. If you've ever wanted to watch Ontario News Now clips live on the big screen, your chance is coming up. We, Jonathan and I, are going to be appearing live on stage at the Hot Docs Podcast Festival on November 7th alongside some other awesome Canada Land hosts and shows. Just Google Hot Docs Podcast Festival to get tickets. Come see us live. So there's some things you need to know about Ontario to understand just exactly why it's so important in federal elections. First off, Ontario has more than a third of Canada's population, and the province contains 120 of the nation's 338 ridings, which means Ontario voters have a really big sway over who gets elected in Ottawa next month. The most prominent sort of voting block of this is known as the GTA's 905 region. It's the area around Toronto, a bunch of different suburbs, very vote rich. And the thing about the 905 is it tends to really vote together. For example, when Justin Trudeau was elected prime minister in 2015, all of the 905 basically, or the vast majority of it, voted liberal when he who shall not be named, was elected premier last summer in 2018. That exact same group of writings pretty much voted for him. 
So that is exactly the voting block that Andrew Scheer, that Justin Trudeau are really going after when they are making the remarks like the ones that we heard off the top of the show. It's arguably Canada's equivalent of a swing state, as you would see in the American election or something like Ohio. But it'd be like 10 swing states. Yeah, no, exactly. But in terms of, I guess, we're talking about the region as a whole, Mm -hmm. it is a crucial but not necessary bellwether of where the things are going to go, by and large. Right. And it can be hard to predict. Mm. I think political parties themselves often don't know which way these voters are going to go up until really close to Election Day. So with this much on the line, it's really notable how far Andrew Scheer is really willing to go out of his way, not to mention the premier's name. Oh, my God. It is so much fun. I went to the uh, Rogers, that's the McLean City TV debate, and the highlight, arguably, um, one of the highlights was listening to Andrew Shear and watching his scrum and seeing the ways that the journalists, you know, attempted to get him to answer questions about the premier of Ontario, who was, you know, raised by other leaders or by Jagmeet Singh in the debate. And hearing the different ways the questions were phrased to try just to get Shear to acknowledge the man, because not only will he not say his name, he won't say Premier of Ontario. He won't even use a pronoun to refer to him. He won't acknowledge his existence at all. Tonight you made a comparison between Mr. Trudeau and former Premier Kathleen Wynne. Will you now talk about your opinion of the comparisons being made between you and Mr. Ford and your opinion of his governance in Ontario? I am focused on holding Justin Trudeau to account for his record. When people bring up the situation in Ontario, of course I remind them that it was Kathleen Wynne and Delta McGuinty that ran scandal played. A question was specifically about Doug Ford and Jagmeet Singh brought up a number of times. Yes, because they're desperate. Because they're desperate to run this election against anybody but myself. Uh, This election is about holding Justin Trudeau to account for his policies. Mr. Chair, Ontario is critically important to this election. Absolutely, Doug Ford is the premier. Do you consider Doug Ford an asset to your political aspirations or a detriment? I believe that the people in Ontario know what happens when Liberals are allowed to govern for long periods of time with massive tax hikes, corruption scandals. So why doesn't Andrew Scheer want to say Mr. Premier's name? <laughs> Not even just his name, just acknowledge him. I mean, right. I'm thinking back to my university undergraduate semiotics courses and the concepts of signifiers and signifieds and the pluses and minuses of... Uh, anyway. Are you it, one of those complet people? No, no. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> It's, I mean, the strategy is very obvious and evident. It's because, I mean, you can only use a person's answers. You, it's much harder to use the questions. And when those, when the video clips you mean and audio, like the uh, the broadcast. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like basically, whether it's in the context of an advertisement, the context of a news broadcast, you use what you have. And you, if every time they're asked about one thing, they, you know, respond by repeating something else. That's all there is to work with. Um, well, that's what Trudeau yeah. was accused of actually today. And oh, yeah. Customers we heard of we heard from uh, today mm-hmm. is that he was being asked sort of general questions or policy questions, and he just kept bringing it back to mm-hmm. the Ontario premier. Yeah. But I guess more high level to the, the question I asked you, Jonathan, is that the reason mm-hmm. Shear's doing all of this is because the premier of Ontario is uh, terribly unpopular and actually becoming more so. Uh, the most recent popularity polling we've seen uh, came out last week from Dart Communications, and they have the premier's popularity rate at 26%, which is down 14 points uh, from last June when he was elected. You know, he's about as popular as, as you would imagine if you've listened to this show. 
So Sheer doesn't want to be attached to that. Trudeau really wants Sheer to be attached to that. And there go all of these uh, rhetorical games that we're, we're seeing on the campaign trail, which really are, I mean, just like a lot of things going on in this campaign, a big dodge from actually talking about any real policy issues and instead just sort of digging up dirt and, and making... Uh, I don't know, polarizing voters, right? That's the whole point yeah. of all of this. But once again, it's just it's just taken to such a comical extreme here where it's one, one leader doing nothing but mention this mm-hmm, person mm-hmm. In, res, in response to every question. Another leader, leader doing everything they can to never mention this leader in response to any question. And it's just it's amazing to see how detached words have <laughs> words and concepts have become from meanings. God bless politics. Um, Well, one thing that has actually kind of surprised me, and maybe it shouldn't have, um, is that Scheer and the Conservative Party of Canada are now going after Kathleen Wynne, who, of course, has not been Ontario's premier for almost a little over a year and a half. Yeah. Not quite a year and a half. A year and a half. Yeah, something like that. Well, she would have been not the premier when the election was called. Like, it's been a while since she was. Uh, governing the province, but the CPC dropped this ad late last week. In her second term, Kathleen Wynne plowed Ontario deeper into debt, increased taxes on everything from wine to income, drove up the cost of hydro, gas, and just about every other bill. And by the time she was finished, only well-connected insiders were getting ahead. Now Justin Trudeau has put Kathleen Wynne's team to work in Ottawa. If he is re-elected, Justin Trudeau will do to Canada what Kathleen Wynne did to Ontario. Thunder. <laughs> Justin Trudeau. He can't be trusted. He's not as advertised. Okay, so there's a few interesting things about that ad that jumped out at me when I first heard it. One, he evokes wine, which is like such a Ontario premier move. He says that Kathleen Wynne uh, increased wine taxes, where I feel mm. like Andrew Shea yeah, doesn't what? normally talk about booze. No. But we know someone uh, who this podcast is named after loves talking about booze. So that's interesting. Uh, two, he talks about how all of these Kathleen Wynne staffers have gone to Ottawa and and work for Justin Trudeau now, which is like kind of true. But like that happened in like 2015 when it, you know, when there was a bit of a migration of liberal staffers to Ottawa, basically because Ottawa needed tons of staffers. But what has happened much more recently is that PC staffers in Ontario have gone mm-hmm. to Andrew Shear's team. Yeah, so <laughs> like some directly absolutely. out of the premier's office. Some people so, who were in the premier's office had come from Harper's team. Basically, the same people are responsible for everything, and it's yeah, it's weird that they would suddenly start throwing this in the other direction when. Well, when like yeah. literally the associate director of media relations for Shear worked in the Ontario premier's office up until. June, I think. So it's Mm. like, what? But of course, like the average person that watches that clip or hears that on the radio doesn't know that. And then I guess the last one is that they're stressing the insiders, right? Like that's the whole thing everyone hated about the Ontario Liberal Party. That's what I guess people hate about Trudeau's party. You know, the insiders only get ahead. But... If, you know, you're calling Kathleen Wynne out on that and then look at the appointment scandal and the Dean French scandal and the nepotism, all of those things that have caused huge problems for the Ontario PCs and just sort of leaving that out is is interesting. Every election seems to come back to the two Spider-Men pointing at each other meme. So in response to 
quite possibly Andrew Shear's concerns about uh, his record and public persona at the moment, the Ontario Premier has decided to lay low. Which, to his credit, he's actually been doing a pretty good job at. More, more or less. At least, less. like, like himself. Not to say a lot's not going mm. on, but he's not really, like, front and center. He did comment on Trudeau on Friday. It was unacceptable uh, back in 2001. It's unacceptable now. Didn't he also say God bless the president about Donald Trump last week? That's not really oh, quite low. <laughs> some, yeah, so maybe it laying low isn't quite. Um, yeah, so the... The Ontario legislature normally resumes from after the summer from, you know, a little bit after Labor Day. But, you know, all of a sudden in June, they decided, oh, no, no, let's let's hold off till late October, till after the election, fairly conveniently. Yeah, their excuse at the time was that they'd been working, the government had been working so hard since the last election. Basically, they had recalled the House in the beginning of July, I think, last year, and kind of worked without really much of a break all the way up until June. So to that end, it, it is kind of fair enough. Maybe they could have given themselves an extra one or two, two or three weeks. But an extra two months sort of signals that there's mm. uh, something else going on here. Mm. And also, of course, for individual, individuals up to actually volunteer on campaigns. Any party finds it helpful to draw resources from their provincial counterparts. Interestingly, though, Alberta's Premier Jason Kenney had done the same thing. He had said that they weren't going to be coming back until after the Alberta legislature wasn't going to be Hmm. coming back till uh, October 22nd, so the day after Hmm. the campaign. And just a week or a week and a half ago, he changed his mind, and they're now coming back on October 8th or something like that. Uh, Which is actually, there's kind of a part of a bigger narrative because Jason Kenney had apparently been asked by Andrew Scheer's team to come campaign in the aforementioned 905 because he was quite popular there when he was an immigration minister under Harper. Mm -hmm. And then kind of part of the narrative was like, oh, well, they don't even want uh, Ontario Premier to not be named to campaign in the 905, but they want this Alberta guy in here. How Mm -hmm. embarrassing. Um, And now it sort of seems like without actually saying so, Jason Kenney may have been, you know, is pulling back on that. He might still show up here, but I think it's going to be a little bit Mm. less of uh, part of the CPC's strategy. Um, So what, however, has been happening during this uh, summer of laying low Mm. isn't necessarily. um, Yeah, because the provincial government is still there. Yeah, they keep making decisions. So we came up with a little grab bag of list of like a few of the policies and and incidents that have been a bit of a a mess for the PCs over the past, you know, month. A few of the many reasons that Andrew Scheer might be considering it a good reason to try to keep himself at arm's length from this other guy. So the first one I want to talk about is the complete and utter cannabis lottery fuck up. Ontario lost $42 million selling cannabis in the first five and a half months since legalization. Uh, a big part of, well, a kind of part of that cost was that the Ontario PCs decided to basically throw out a system that the Ontario Liberals under Kathleen Wynne had put together, which was to sell weed in public stores, kind of like LCBOs. So the PCs came in and said, no, no, no. 
private market will be better. Let's do it that way. Fair enough. Lots of people liked that decision. Cost-wise, that cost about $10 million to sort of clean up the changes of that. They had leases and they'd started renovating buildings for these, you know, LCBO-like stores and they had to pay off that. Fine. So we're losing money selling weed, um, which I think shocked a lot of people. And, you know, part of the reason is the plan the PCs rolled out has been slow to get many retail stores online. There's like 25 maybe all across the province, which means like less people can buy weed. It's not that easy. It's not super accessible. So, you know, smaller revenues that way, which is crazy. Like if you look at, again, to just mention Alberta, they have over 200 stores. And I think they're making millions, $145 million or something in the past little while. It's crazy. Uh, Whereas they have like a way smaller population than us. So basically people want weed, but Ontario is just not selling it in a way that's making it easy for people. So why? Well, the PCs developed this lottery system that was going to allow anybody in Ontario to enter and get a license to sell cannabis in a retail store. 25 people won, but it was a big, huge mess because lots of them didn't have basically any idea how to do that. So big cannabis companies kind of had to swoop in and work with these people. And that's why it's been slow to get them off the ground. So they hold lottery number two in August, which was going to authorize another 42 stores. At this point, it really seems like the big pot companies or, you know, the people that are interested in this have kind of started to game the system. There were like some higher barriers to entry this time around to try to avoid the mess of the first time. Uh, One of those that you had to already have a registered address, retail address, sort of ready to go. But kind of weirdly, a bunch of the applications were all registered the same address. So it sort of seems like these companies were coordinating with each other and trying to get as many names in the lottery with these pre-approved buildings. Anyways, that I guess didn't really matter. Uh, None of the pot companies won anyways, and a bunch of other people did. And it's kind of just become the same mess again with, you know, big pot companies trying to work with these winners, Mm. yada, yada, yada. However, Mm. (laughs) even at this point, it's still a mess because the province disqualified 11 of the 42 winners on the basis that they hadn't filled out their paperwork on time. So what? Why? What does that mean? Obviously, there's, you know, rules and timelines for how they have to do it. Well, these 11 winners, now losers, decide to take this to court. And we find out in the courtroom from their counsel that what had happened was, according to their lawyer, but I don't think the the province disputed it from what I can tell, is that when the Alcohol and Gaming Commission sent out its congratulatory letters announcing who won the lottery, they bounced back from 11 of the email addresses is what the province says happened. So then all these people got registered letters sort of really confirming this. But the timeline for when they had to fill up their paperwork was based on when they were supposed to get these congratulatory letters from the province that bounced back. So the timeline was messed up. So their paperwork were like two days late. The emails bounced back or the registered letters bounced back? The emails, because they came two days before the registered letters. And it was, yeah. So it's just like complete Uh. incompetence on all sorts of levels. Now the judge has paused the licensing process. So none of these 42 stores are moving ahead until this gets sorted out. And the weed system is just slowed down again. And the province is losing money on it. And it's just like, there's so many other ways this could have been organized. And it's just complete, a complete mess. 
as <laughs> as uh, Vicky Mochama quipped on Twitter, you know, of all the things you'd think he'd do with ease, it'd be dealing drugs and stickers that stick. Which points to, you know, another one of these recent fuck-ups, which is to say the stickers that don't stick. The uh, mandatory stickers that must be placed on gas pumps to avoid massive fines uh, lest you not participate in the provincial conservatives' efforts to engage in a partisan war against the federal liberals over the carbon tax. Uh, So these are stickers that specifically say the federal carbon tax will cost you, along with a deeply misleading graph showing numbers going up. And as it turns out, on top of the fact that it is, you know, uh, very questionable constitutionally and is being challenged in court on those grounds, the fact is the damn stickers don't actually stick, which is, of course, extra funny. Uh, You know, three or four levels of irony here, but the third of which is that Doug Ford, of course... Uh, supposedly <gasps> his expertise come oh shit <laughs> oh. you said it <laughs> uh, in, in theory the premier is, a, is also the sticker magnet in chief that being his professional background being a company that literally produces labels and other adhesive products and in this case the glue apparently or the adhesive as broke the story broken by the Toronto Star was not the correct adhesive to be placed on gas pumps which are of course outdoors and not necessarily the easiest things to which to stick things. It's just, you know, it's a you had one job situation over and over and over again. And it's never the thing you expect. It's like, okay, this will be the least be the one thing that, you you know, you know how to do. And it, and it, and it, it never is. What, what's so wonderful about it's so this? So funny. He's never gonna love this. Deal. Just keep subverting all the expectations of oh, at least, at least that will be the thing where there is like this narrow level of basic competence. And no, 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 it's not. Never. Oh my gosh, the star story just digging into the different types of adhesives. It's just, it's so funny. Do you want to know a secret? One time, on like the second day that they came out, I had to pump gas for a rental car I had, and. I had seen all the pictures of people like ripping them off Mm -hmm. um, and I just tried to get like my nail under the corner and see how easy it was to peel Mm -hmm. and it was super easy. I totally could have ripped it off. I didn't though. Mm -hmm. I resisted being a vandal but it was not, they are not sticky. I had a rental car last week and peeled up twice and did not see one of these stickers once. Well, the other thing about the stickers is that they ran out of them Mm -hmm. and there's no more to order, I guess probably because they suck and they're going to have to redo them or more likely they're just going to forgo this entire thing once this federal election campaign is over. Um, But apparently gas stations in order to uh, keep up with the rules were ordering French ones because those were still available and so there's just like French ones stuck in like very anglophone parts of the province so that people can comply with this rule. I mean you can kind of sympathize with Andrew Shear not being you can kind of sympathize with Andrew Shear not being one to associated with someone who fucks up stickers and drugs. So while both of those have been, you know, kind of disasters for the PCs, they're sort of they're unlikely to actually affect the federal election. What could very much impact the federal election is a looming education strike in Ontario. It's kind of coming from a bunch of different directions, but 
QP, that's the union that represents 55,000 school support staff, which include like librarians and custodians and teachers assistants. They're going to be in a legal strike position as of next week. Support staff will be starting a work to rule on Monday. And as part of that, custodians will not be cleaning hallways. It puts Doug Ford's policies smack dab into the middle of the federal election campaign. And that's not going to help Andrew Scheer much. Uh, Meanwhile, the Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario are in the middle of doing a strike vote, which they say will go a little ways into the first few weeks of October. But they could potentially announce a strike uh, at some point during the federal election campaign also would be terrible for the Ontario premier. And it's something also that we heard Justin Trudeau going after the premier in the news conference that we played earlier. He's talking about specifically class sizes, which actually seems to be the education issue that's really jumping out this time around. Of course, in Ontario, we've had many rounds of teacher strikes. It's kind of this ongoing issue. And in lots of cases, the teachers kind of, I think, fail to get a lot of public support because, you know, they're well paid. They have summers off. People don't really empathize with uh, their their uh, career position in a lot of the cases, or it's easy for conservative governments to try to turn people against the teachers on those. They're demonizable, but it's always a risk at best. I think that's yeah. true. But I think on the class sizes, it's a lot harder mm-hmm. to demonize. Yes. Because what we're really, you know, there's yeah. been lots of media reports since school started a few weeks ago um, where the school boards no longer have enough money to hire enough teachers. And th- there's class sizes of up to 38 students. No one's giving <laughs> no one's giving the provincial government the benefit of the doubt here. Right. right? So the you know, past governments may have been somewhat successful in different regards of trying to pit the public against teachers by casting them them as this or that, there is very good reason to believe that that will be have at best limited effect this time, given that it is widely evident the degrees to which the current government have uh, screwed up the education system in a remarkably short time. Yeah, it seems like parents are honestly pretty mad and students are, you know, they're kind of getting screwed. Like there's uh, reports of high school students in grade 12 who want to go to or like planning to go to university for engineering, but they can't get into a calculus class in their school because there's not enough teachers to run them. And they're like being asked to take online courses or, you know, summer courses or something like that. And it's just like, what? Like that, especially from a, you know, a a government that, you know, keeps talking about STEM, like science and uh, technology and engineering and math. Education and the importance of that and whatever. And you're like not even letting high school kids take science or math so they can get into engineering programs like it's just it's not great. Trudeau's going after this. And I think that this is I don't know if this is going to be enough to hurt Andrew Scheer in Ontario. But I think that we might be along a path in the election campaign where this is going to start building. Oh, yeah. No, it'll hurt. I did just want to mention one thing that mm-hmm. I saw this morning, and this was it's circulating on Twitter, but it's an Instagram-sponsored ad, and it's from uh, some school called the Blythe School, which is a private mm-hmm. secondary school company based in Yorkville mm-hmm. in Toronto. And the ad uh, is targeting high school students who can't get into the courses that they need. The picture in the ad is like this teenage boy, and he's holding this kind of mock schedule that says, 
two courses laid out and two of them like period three and period four and just has canceled over the top of the two of them and says, you know, if you don't fall behind because of canceled classes. And so I went to their their website and it cost over $2,600 to take one secondary school course through this private school plus a $1,000 administration or registration fee. You know, we're actually, it seems like at a point where people are uh, advertising Instagram spawned high school kids so that they can pay money to get the high school Mm -hmm. credits because the province hasn't hired enough teachers. And like, I don't think this has ever happened before. It just seems very. Oh, yeah. No, it's uh, something something the liberals would be very would, would have caused me very pleased by, frankly. It's hard to imagine a way to make parents more justifiably incensed, especially people who are not well enough off to be able to afford this random private school in Yorkville, or any private school for that matter. Uh, Yeah, no, no, people will not be happy. Not everything's going badly for the burly silhouette in chief. Uh, He had a big win last week. The uh, Court of Appeal of Ontario uh, ruled in his favor with regard to whether or not he had the right to basically arbitrarily cut the size of Toronto City Council. If you care to remember... um, He was challenged initially at Superior Court. The judge ruled that, no, no, this was unconstitutional. It was an infringement on a freedom of expression. That then went to the Court of Appeal for an emergency stay application, which basically said, like, does the other judge's decision apply immediately or not because the election will depend on it? The Court of Appeal last fall said, we stay that decision, which means basically... The law wasn't quashed. The election would go ahead as a 25-member election, a 25-council seat election. But that was just the hearing on the application for a stay. That is to say, you know, whether or not the Superior Court's decision should be paused. The actual hearing by the, the the Court of Appeal on the substance of the matter itself was just this past spring, and they just ruled on it last week. Uh, in a, It was a 3-2 split decision in favor of the province having this ability, the Court of Appeal didn't agree that this was, in fact, a matter of freedom of expression rights. But there was a very, very, very strong dissenting opinion from Justices McPherson and Nordheimer. The conclusion of their dissent is quite a passage, which shall be read here in its entirety because it is wonderful and uses language, the sort of language and um, the sort of superlatives you don't typically hear judges use. The 2018 Toronto Municipal Election concluded on October 22, 2018 with the election of a 25-member city council. Yet the actions taken by Ontario to secure that result left a trail of devastation of basic democratic principles in its wake. By extinguishing almost half of the city's existing wards midway through an active election, Ontario blew up the efforts, aspirations, and campaign materials of hundreds of aspiring candidates and the reciprocal engagement of many informed voters. This infringement of Section 2B of the Charter was extensive, profound, and seemingly without precedent in Canadian history. This dissenting opinion seems to have been written particularly in a way strong enough that uh, the Supreme Court would take interest in this, because in a case where where a court of appeal is so 
very much divided, that also makes the Supreme Court much more likely to take a look at something. So I would say there's a fairly decent chance that this will, will in fact, end up at the Supreme Court. Where uh, it could be possible that the Supreme Court could rule in favor of the municipalities, which could totally potentially in a way change their status as creatures of power of the provinces. So maybe Doug Ford has... Uh, I doubt they'd go that far. Oh, no, I said his name. But... Oh. <laughs> okay, so since we are doing this episode about the federal election, there's one candidate we obviously have to talk about. So last week, I went to a debate. Good evening, and welcome to a very special Transport Futures federal election debate. Featured Adam Vaughn, the MP for Spadina Fort York, representing the Liberals. Danny Yoon, who is running for Spadina Fort York, representing the NDP. Tim Grant, the uh, Green candidate, running for University of Rosedale. And... I believe, unless I'm wrong, that Renata Ford is not here. It was supposed to also feature Renata Ford running for the People's Party of Canada in Etobicoke North. Renata, are you here? Renata Ford did not show up. She is, of course... Renata Ford, yes, thank you. (laughs) Yes, important. Renata Ford, the widow of the late Mayor Rob Ford, the former sister-in-law of um, the... Premier of Ontario, who we are still not naming, and an interesting character in her own right who has seldom been in the spotlight until now running for Maxime Bernier's party that has a disproportionate number of white nationalists among its membership. While also suing the Premier. Oh, yes, and who is also suing the Premier still over uh, elements of the uh, Rob Ford estate. I thought she would show up. I didn't think she had the self-awareness to know that that might that showing up might not be a positive thing for her. I, don't, I, I figured that she genuinely believed that she could just spout off lines about subways and call it a debate. But she didn't. This was a surprise, at least a disappointment to the organizers who were not given advance notice of her no-show. Although uh, her campaign later told News Talk it was because both her kids and parents had come down with the flu and she had Elections Canada paperwork to fill out. Nevertheless, it was a super interesting debate to hear how even in the absence of a conservative or PPC candidate, how the premier and what he represents and his terrible policies were invoked in one way or another. Someone needs to tell Doug Ford that magic markers aren't magic. This is frankly, you know, Doug Ford is dragging us backwards and ripping it up and starting from scratch. Whether it's, you know, specifically doing the easy thing and dunking on his terrible line on the map, Ontario line transit idea, or particularly Adam Vaughn denigrating the NDP's free transit policy by referring to it as like slogan-based campaigning, like buck a beer. It's a great slogan. It's like a Doug Ford slogan. It's like buck a beer, free transit. It's a hell of a complicated idea. Which is a questionable line that he later doubled down on on, on Twitter. So he seemed to be quite proud of it. It is really interesting to hear. So in, that's the thing. is in, in, a, in a debate with no conservative candidates, Doug Ford... Oh, fuck. It's interesting to hear how particular policies or ideas or slogans of the provincial government are deployed as shorthand for basically shit politics. 
much as Justin Trudeau in his press conference Monday did the same thing, just just saying buck a beer. It's a punchline in and of itself. I think there's one other really important thing to note about Renata Ford, though, that is going to play Mm -hmm. uh, a really big part in this election. So she's, of course, running for the People's Party of Canada, uh, whose leader is the very contentious and racist Maxine Bernier. Mm -hmm. And we found out, what, a a week and a half ago? A week, last week, a week ago. Yeah, that Maxine Bernier was going to be invited to participate in the uh, official leaders debates. Official leaders debates. People like in general aren't happy about this, but the election commission has, you know, certain ways that it makes this decision. Basically, they poll a bunch of different ridings that I think the People's Party suggested to them. They yeah, do so, every riding, right? No, yes. There are a number of different criteria that the Leaders Debate Commission uses to determine which party leaders should or should not be invited to these debates. And they only have to meet certain criteria, not all of them. Last week, the debate commission decided that the PPC had suddenly met enough of the criteria for the commission to reverse the earlier decision not to invite them and, in fact, extend an invite. One of the things they look at is, like, is there a plausible chance of them electing people in different places in the country? So they'd ask the party to suggest them, well, what are, what are some seats? What are some ridings where you think you, may, you have a shot at winning? And one of those ridings was Etobicoke North, where Renata Ford is running, where the sur- a survey found that 29.9% of respondents would, might, is, whether possibly, likely, or certainly vote for the PPC candidate. Uh, and this is a riding that had been held by someone with the last name Ford at different levels of government for years. Most of them would not, would never even consider it. But to the commission, that was enough. A third of people saying, yeah, maybe. And so uh, Renata Ford, as I guess they had hoped, has buoyed the fortunes of the party just enough to be able to you know, help lift them above this rather arbitrary line such that they, they are now afford- their leader is now afforded the legitimacy of participating in the English and French official leaders' debates. That's not the only riding in which they, I mean, they had other polls. And that's no, not the only riding in which they were, you know, considered to have a reasonable shot. But she helped. She helped. Which is why they wanted her as a candidate. Yep. <laughs> She's pulling her weight. I guess the last thing to really touch on and to think about is what will happen if Andrew Shear wins, and all of a sudden we have a conservative-run province of Ontario and a conservative-run Ottawa. How is that going to, you know, shape and change the country? Right now there's been, you know, there's been an ongoing and sort of never-ending feud between the the, the PCs here and, and Trudeau and his liberals in Ottawa. And for one, you know, the, the premier will lose that foil in Ottawa, mm-hmm. which he's definitely played to his advantage. All of a sudden, he's going to have to be, you know, getting along with the feds, which can be actually good for taxpayers and for citizens. You know, more might get done. There's less petty battles. But from some research Jonathan and I did, mm-hmm. it looks like there have only ever been conservative governments at both of the Ontario provincial level and the federal level like uh, such a negligible amount of recent history you actually have to go back several decades to the like the 50s and the early 1960s to find a time when there were conservatives governing simultaneously in Ontario and 
Canada and federally in Canada for more than, you know, a brief period, for more than a brief blip, like, you know, like Joe Clark's tenure, for example. Like, I would consider that a blip. So other than, like, little periods here or there to actually find any sort of extended thing, you got to go back to Diefenbaker. So I guess if that happened, Andrew Scheer might actually have to start saying the premier's name again. And then he will combust. That was Wag the Doug, a show about Doug Ford. Oh, it was? No. Um, I'm Jonathan Goldsby, and you can find me on Twitter at Goldsby. I'm Allison Smith, and you can find me on Twitter at, at Queens Park Today. Our producer is Kevin Sexton, and our theme music is a remix by Nathan Burley. Our podcast is listener supported. If you like what we do, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash CanadaLand. And once again, we'll be appearing live on stage on Thursday, November 7th, alongside some other wonderful Canada Land shows at the Hot Docs Theater in Toronto as part of the Hot Docs Podcast Festival. Uh, Google Hot Docs Podcast Festival for details. Come see us live. Live things are fun. So we inadvertently stated the name of the premier several times during this podcast, myself more than Allison. And for that, we apologize to conservative leader Andrew Scheer for uttering what we can only assume is the most shameful of all taboos in the, in the language. Um, and perhaps inadvertently, having spoken his name three times, having inadvertently summoned something into the world um, that we presumably will stumble upon and be terrified by in the near future.